Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. We believe in conversation. And so you're going to find four or five people around you for an incredibly light question, which is, what do you need from God? Enjoy. The world's heavy. There's a lot of things going on. In a community like New Abbey, many of you are very aware of those things. It's information and news that you follow. And what I've tended to see over the years is that we follow this information. It, for us, leads to larger questions about who God is. We say, God, there's so much wrong going on in the world, and it becomes more difficult when we see that there's a large portion of the church in the United States who seems not to care about those things, and it can lead us to a place where we feel cynical. And for me, instead of moving into the cynicism, I always want to be about creating the energy of what we want to create in this world. I can constantly talk about the things that we're moving away from, and we need to spend time there for things to reform or to be abolished or to change or to evolve or transform. And at the same time, it's really hard work to step into the things that we want to be about. For me, one of the ways that I do that is Scripture. I love the Bible. I have not stopped loving the Bible in this process of deconstructing and reconstructing. I can be more honest about scriptures now in ways that I wasn't allowed to be previously. The scriptures are magnificent. They're beautiful. They're epic. There's these meta-narratives that tell us about who God is and what it means to be human. And there's a struggle and there's a dance and there's doubting and there's questioning. And there's a few steps forward and a few steps back. There's also parts of the scriptures that are just crazy. They're wild. You're like, man, what does that have anything to do with living in 2021? And you were taught for a time that every part of Scripture is exactly equal. No, it's not. Not even Jesus would agree with that. How do I know that? Jesus never quotes from Joshua or Judges. He doesn't. Because he's like, those are some crazy books. The people of God were going through some things there. Right? They were really on that like imperial path. We're going to own some things. But Jesus will quote prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea. He'll quote the Pentateuch, the Torah. He'll tell these stories of, of liberation, that when Jesus comes and he steps into a synagogue and he declares who he is, right, the scriptures that he reads from is about liberation and justice, that he came to clear a path for everybody, to set the captives free. So not all of the Bible is equal. Just so you know, that's a very evangelical Protestant thing over the last 300 years to believe that about the Bible. The vast history of orthodoxy and Christianity, right, does not believe that. We understand that Torah and the Gospels have a precedence over other scriptures. That's just true. You don't even have to believe me on that. We've just been told if you come from an evangelical background, a certain viewpoint about the Bible that's not true from a historical perspective or what we would call orthodoxy or correct teaching or doctrine in this world. And here's why I say that is there are some stories that just have a little bit more oomph to them. And there are weird things in the scriptures, right? Like in the Psalms when it's like, God, would you help me smash my enemy's children's head on rocks? Nobody's life first. <laughs> Not a thing. And then there's the stories of Jesus, of course. But for me, a story that I constantly come back to, which is the primary story of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is the story of the Exodus. It's a story of liberation. Because it's a story that tells us who God is. 
And here's why that's important. That in the ancient world, all of the other gods were the same. They were angry, and they only benefited the powerful. And then all of a sudden, there's this God, Yahweh. And this God, Yahweh, stands for a group of people who were slaves. Just so you know, from a historical and anthropological perspective, if you want some big words on a Sunday morning, you're welcome. That is unique in the history of the world. Every other people group who had another god, when an empire beat them out, guess whose god you have now? The empire's god. And the empire's god was always about power, violence, right, protecting a few people at the cost of everybody else. I know that doesn't sound anything like our current world. (laughs) And this is why we need to come back to these stories to say, oh, this is a different God. There are people currently in our culture who are trying to say that who Yahweh is, who God is, who Jesus is, is a God who somehow protects the powerful, is a God who's not about liberation, who's a God who's not interested in this world, but just somehow saving you from a world later to come. That is not true. The God of the scriptures is a God who constantly stands on the side of the marginalized, of the oppressed, of those in need, the widow and the orphan and the alien. These are the scriptures that we live into. The scriptures that we have start with an old man named Abraham and a barren woman named Sarah and says, this is how I'm gonna bless the world, through the weak, through those who don't have anything going on for them. Yahweh didn't show up to a pharaoh or to a king or to a queen. Yahweh showed up to an old couple to say, this is how I'm gonna bless the world. Because when you understand this story and how I do things, how I bless things, how I see humanity, that's the thing that's gonna change the world thousands of years to come. You are not here on a Sunday morning worshiping the Babylonian god of Marduk. (laughs) You are not here saying prayers to Zeus. You are not thanking the Roman god of Mars for our victories overseas. You are here talking about a god who chooses to be human, who lays down his life for the sake of the world, who chooses to serve, who chooses to liberate, who chooses to focus on those in need, who turns the reality of this world upside down into a different way. That's why you're here in 2021 in a place like Los Angeles. It's a little bit warm right now. You just listen to a guy talk about finances because of Jesus. (laughs) Not because of Marduk or Zeus or Mars. If that's lost on you, now should be a moment of like, that's kind of true, that's wild. Yeah. (laughs) The story of God is wild. And so I want to come back to this morning, one of my favorite passages in Scripture in Exodus 3. I'm just going to do some good old-fashioned exegesis. If you don't know what that means, praise God. It just means I'm going to read through the Bible and make some comments on some things uh, that have been historically true about how we understand who Yahweh is and who God is and for us what it means to be human. And this section of Scripture is something I come back to all the time because it's just a reminder of what we're doing. It's one of the most ancient stories that we have to hold on to, and it is the centerpiece of the Hebrew Bible and what Jesus would have understood uh, and how he tells the biggest story of God as he liberates the entire world. So follow along with me. Oh, before I do that, I almost forgot my own thing. We gotta talk about some things. All right. Woo, I've said a lot of words this morning and it's late and you're like, it's hot. You brought some turkeys, here we go. If we're gonna talk about God as Lord and as a liberator is where I'm going this morning, then we need to look into the wilderness and then into the wilderness. And if we can do that, then we need to see that who God is as God shows up. 
And if we can understand that God shows up, then we need to be open to some curiosity. And if we can be open to some curiosity, then we need to talk about some postures of reverence on a Sunday morning. And if we can do that, then we can name the radical reality that God is faithful. And if we can understand how God is faithful, then we can see that God has seen and God hears and God is concerned with the suffering that takes place in this world. Can I get an amen? And if we can do that, then we'll talk about Julius Jones, Ahmaud Arbery, and Jacob Blake. And if we can do that, then we will long for a God who wants justice. And if we can do that, then we can talk about how this God wants to be known. And we're going to do it rather quickly. So Exodus 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Oreb, the mountain of God. In the Exodus story, what's already happened is watch the prince of Egypt and I'll catch you up. (laughs) Moses was found in, you know, a reed basket, went into Pharaoh's house. Uh, He's not really an Egyptian. He's a Hebrew. God did a bunch of amazing things. Moses was pained by the ways that the Egyptians were killing his Hebrew brothers, right? Ended up killing one of them and flees into the wilderness. When Moses flees into the wilderness, he's 40 years old at this point. Now, when you get to this story, you can keep that up there. Moses is 80 years old. Moses will eventually die at 120 years old. Uh, There's a lot of numerology in the Old Testament. Uh, You don't have to take it literally, but it's implying something, that 40 years is like a lifetime. That for the first 40 years of Moses' life, he was constructed. He gave a way of being. He was Pharaoh's child. He was also a Hebrew kid, right? And that's how he understood the world. And then for the next 40 years of his life in the wilderness, Moses deconstructed. Ooh, there's something here, a little magic. It feels similar to your life. And then after Moses does all the things and they get out of Egypt for 40 years, they'll be in the wilderness when Moses reconstructs and they get the laws and covenants of God. That's convenient, right? For where so many of you have been in your own journey, we look to the life of Moses as a means of understanding our own journeys and what it means to be human and how we understand God in it. It says that Moses goes out to the wilderness, and anytime you hear wilderness in the Bible, it just means suffering, figuring it out, doubting, questioning, wandering, things that we do all of the time as human beings. We just enter these seasons where that's just a natural part of who we are. So if anybody tells you that you can't do that, well, they're not biblical, I guess, right? Wander in the wilderness, my friends. That's totally okay. And Moses comes to the far side of the wilderness, when as a good Hebrew reader of the Bible, you would have said, oh, he's not just in the wilderness. He's on the far side of the wilderness. Like, he's asked some questions. He listened to all of the liturgist podcasts, read all of Ra Bell, and he knows Richard Rohr front to back, my friends. Far side of the wilderness. And he's saying some things about himself. And there, on the far side of the wilderness, when Moses is like, I guess I don't have God anymore, he shows up to Mount Oreb. Mount Oreb is also the place where the Israelites later will receive the Ten Commandments. And it's here that God shows up. Isn't that interesting for your lives? that God shows up most of the time in the most God-forsaken places. God shows up when you're in the far side of the wilderness. Oh, I don't even believe anything anymore. Really, you're sitting here on a Sunday morning. I'm not not even here like to challenge. I'm just saying you are because there's something longing inside of you. How many coffees I've had where people are like, I don't believe anything anymore, but all I want to talk to you about is God. I'm like, I know. (laughs) I know. Can we set up a coffee? I know what we're going to talk about, but I don't believe anything. I know you don't. I know you don't. It's fine. Because it's okay to be on the far side of the wilderness. And here's what I know on the far side of the wilderness. So many of us were taught this thing where we had to go pursue Jesus and we need to find, have you lost Jesus, right? Have you been found? No, the story of scripture is that God finds you. All of the scripture is that way. 
The story of the garden is that God shows up in the garden, and the first question that God asks is, where are you? God's the one asking the questions. And it's not even a story about original sin, by the way. We'll get into, that's a Babylonian story. We'll get into it later. Not a thing for that. Abraham and Sarah, God finds them. All of the stories are God showing up and finding you. The story of Jesus as we prepare for Advent is that in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of Roman occupation, where the Jews feel oppressed by an empire, Jesus shows up, Emmanuel, God with us, and God is the one who shows up to our needs. So if you're like, man, I don't have the energy and I don't have the bandwidth to figure out how I can reconstruct Maybe the one thing that you need to hear this morning, what you need from God, is that God's gonna show up for you wherever you're at. And God often shows up in the wilderness and in the most difficult places. So praise God. Again, a clappy church is a happy church, so feel free to do that as often as you want. That's just true. Biblically oriented. All right. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, and Moses saw that through the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. What I love about this is Moses was just curious. When you're in the wilderness and you're figuring things out, just stay curious. And maybe God's going to show up in the most unexpected ways. You're like, well, God, I want you to show up in the Bible or through an angel or through a bright neon sign. And you're like, a bush? I didn't see that coming. I'm out here with the sheep and they're shitting and you show up in a bush? (laughs) Go God. Go God. We've heard the story so many times. I have a potty mouth this morning. I'm so sorry. That's just sometimes I have it. I've always said I'm just going to be the same person all the way across. So I'll try to work in my potty mouth in the rest of life so it doesn't happen here or I won't, so here we go. (laughs) Stay curious in your journey and trust that God's gonna show up there. Because when you're curious, I think that's when we have eyes to see that maybe God is there. When we're cynical, I think we begin to form ourselves in a way of like, God could never show up here, we're just angry at everything. Stay curious and be open to this reality. This is one of my favorite commentary from the rabbis, and the rabbis would say this. It's not that the bush started burning. It's that the bush was always burning, and Moses finally had eyes to see it. Maybe you just need to go even further into your wilderness to see where God is going to find you. Maybe that's okay. Don't be scared where you're at in your journey. Trust that God's going to find you even further along the way. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. What I love about this is just a posture of reverence. Sometimes in the world of deconstruction and figuring it out and all the things that are taking place in a community like this, we lose our reverence. And guess what? I am an irreverent human being. It is one of my favorite. It's actually made me closer to God to like let some things go, right? Do you remember like when you were little and you're like, I swore, so I don't think I'm gonna get raptured today. Like there's all these things that you have where you're like scared of God. You're like, I'm not allowed to say that even though you were thinking it, you know? You're like, I'll sign another purity card, but I love things. (laughs) Fill in your blank. Instead of being like, oh my gosh, there's a God out there who understands your sexuality and has seen a penis and vagina before? Whoa! What a crazy world! And so we can step into a little irreverence, but sometimes the thing that we need to pick back up is a little reverence and changing our posture. Sometimes when God finds us in those places that we're not quite expecting it, maybe there's a moment where our whole being gets a change, where I'm not guarded, where I'm not standoffish, where I can just say, yeah, I am going to take the shoes off, Right? This is a moment where something's gonna be different. 
and that's okay. I don't have to run from that. I don't have to be scared of that. I can embrace that moment. And maybe that's what you need. And when God's finding you, and I trust that God is finding you deep in the wilderness, maybe just embrace it. Maybe don't run from it. Be curious about it. Maybe you're completely different than you've ever thought it would be. Then God said, nope, we're going back. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Sometimes what many of us need to know is that God is just faithful. Here's what I don't understand about God's faithfulness, and let's just name it right here. I love that God is coming back and God is faithful. And it's like, hey, I'm remembering, right, that this promise is in the covenants that I make in the world. There's these larger truths about who I am as God because I'm God, right? I'm the infinite one. You're the finite ones. But the thing that we just want to point out, just to be honest in the story, is like, God, why are you showing up 400 years into slavery? And maybe some of us just need to say that to God. Thank you for showing up now, but where were you here? And maybe God's big enough to handle that. And maybe this, because I learned this as a young pastor and I appreciate it, because I dealt with seeing young kids die. I dealt with people having cancer. I dealt with marriages falling apart and I never showed up into a room. And when I showed up into a room, I said, well, you know, God just gives his greatest challenges to those who can handle it or whatever weird things that people say in those moments. What I learned to say is, why did this happen to me, Corey? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if that's comforting in the moment, but at least I'm not going to lie to you. And I'm not going to offer more abuse or more weight of things that you shouldn't have to hold on to, that you should somehow need to make sense of the trauma or the suffering that you went through. I don't know. And my heart aches and grieves with you. And I can feel it inside me because I remember those conversations of people in their most difficult moments. And they want something different from God, and I just don't know. But what I do know in different perspectives of my life and in different seasons of my life, that God is faithful, that God does remember. And I come back to things like trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God, and God will make your path straight. And there are times in my life where I repeat a verse like that, I'm like, bullshit. And there's other times in my life where I say it out loud, I'm like, this couldn't be any truer. And you're a complex human being, and you can handle both. And God can handle both with you as well. The passage goes on to say this. That is not the passage. That's from last week. Let's see if there's another one from Exodus. Yep, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I love that Moses' response to God is a question. And we've all been there, right? Like, God, I want your faithfulness. I want you to show up. Please, God, provide that relationship, that job. Help me figure out this thing. We want justice. And then it's like, okay, now it's your turn to go participate in this thing. You're like, oh, I'm not so sure about that. You know? And am I really the right person for this thing? And that's okay. The story is not God scolding Moses for that. It's like, ask your questions. That's part of the journey. Doubt, wonder, ask, figure it out. God's gonna be faithful in the midst of all of it. There's not a clean bow that needs to be tied on this thing. This is your life, and the hardest job that you'll ever have is to be human. So enjoy the ride, because here you are. And God said, I will be with you to Moses' questions. Oh my God, oh my God. How amazing is that? Wherever you're at right now, whatever questions you're asking that God is saying, I will be with you. That's it, I will be with you. We don't have to have all of the answers, have an apologetics books, repeat the right doctrine. You don't need to do anything along the way. I will be with you. 
And this will be the sign that, that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God's bringing a full circle to a faithfulness that's coming. And Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And he talked to me from a bush, and this sounds crazy, but suppose, right? And they asked me, what is God's name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to, the, to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. I think we missed a passage in there. We definitely missed a passage in there. Verse 7. No, that's still, that's from, that's, that's from the Sermon on the Mount. I got the Bible right here, people. Rice, paper, and everything. No big deal. Let me read it to you in Hebrew. No big deal. I have theological debt. Is that exciting for you? We missed verse 7. And it goes like this, because it's a really important part. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. That's who God is. He's not the God of the empire. God is not a God of those who oppress. God will constantly stand for those who are suffering whether that's your individual pains, angst, what you got going on, or corporately, that's who God is. And if anybody manipulates or speaks on God's behalf for the sake of the oppressed, come back here and be reminded that the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. And it goes on to say, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites and a bunch of other ites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. If you're in a season of life where the world is overwhelming, whereby your very body being in this world, you feel oppressed, by how your family treats you, you feel repressed, maybe it's just a moment you just close your eyes a second. And maybe what you need to be reminded of on a Sunday morning is that God sees you and that God hears you, and that God is concerned about you. And sometimes we're so in our heads about the things that we don't believe, or what we're deconstructing, or what we're figuring out. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of a deeper truth about who God actually is, and that God is with you, and God is with you, and God is with you. And I don't have all of the answers, and I don't honestly know how it all gets worked out. I mean, honestly, just even seeing some of your faces and I know your stories. And the thing that you need is just that. Would you trust that there is a God out there who is just, who longs for justice, who knows that it is not okay? And this God has been telling a story from the beginning of time. I am about you. 
and I will continue to be about you. Do not let them rob you of my name, rob you of who I really am, and rob you of what I am really about in this world. The name of God is Yahweh. For the ancient Jews, they didn't want to say the name of God, and so they put these four dots up in the scripture, whatever the, the letters for L-O-R-D would come. And in the Hebrew world, that was called the Tetragrammaton. Say Tetragrammaton with me. Yeah, it feels pretty good, huh? And the Tetragrammaton was just simply this idea of these are the letters that we don't say, but we know that it means God. Later on, a lot of rabbinic work will say that, oh, the name of God, Yahweh, is just actually one of the closest things to us, that Yahweh is just literally a word for breath, right? It's just, Yahweh, Yahweh. That sometimes in the world of religion, we become so reverent that we actually create separation between God. And the story of God is that God has always been trying to get closer to us. So that when God reminds us of God's name, God just says, oh, I've always been in you. Yahweh. Even when you didn't know, I was already the breath within your lungs. The word for ruach is the word for spirit. It's the word for air. It's the word for oxygen. It's the word for the thing that animates the world. That ruach is always in you. It doesn't matter what you believe or don't believe. Just breathe in. Breathe out. Ruach, spirit, it's within you. That God's presence, that God's name is always with you. And the thing that we hold on to this morning is that. I don't know in a room like this all the things that you're figuring out, all the things that you're wondering, all the things that you're doubting, the suffering or the pain that you're carrying. I don't know the joys that you have or the hopes or the beautiful Thanksgiving tables that you're going to eat at or not eat at this Thanksgiving. But what I do know is this, is that the story of the God that we are here on a Sunday morning talking about is the story of a God who is just is the story of a God who comforts, is the story of a God who is faithful, is the story of God who will remember, is the story of a God who will see and who will hear and who is concerned about your suffering in this world, is the story of a God who will reconcile all things. As we wait in Advent, as we anticipate the coming of the Lord, what we're anticipating is Emmanuel, that God is with us. This is the story that we live into. And we come week after week and we gather together to remind one another of each other's stories to remind one another that when the person you're having a conversation time with, that they're gonna hear a story from you, that you, went, you were on the far side of the wilderness and God showed up for you and they needed to hear that. And someone else, they need to be reminded that you're on the far side of the wilderness and you have nothing figured out yet. That's the point of a community of faith. That we're gonna keep coming together and reminding ourselves of a bigger truth. And we remind ourselves of it by going back to the ancient stories that give us magic and life and imagination in the world. And we're reminded of these bigger stories of God by just simply hearing from one another and trusting that God is already within each and every one of us. We tell the story of God through our very lives. And so I thank you, New Abbey, as you go into this Thanksgiving week, which oftentimes a holiday week is some of the most traumatic weeks for many people's lives. I don't know what suffering you'll endure, and for some of you, it might be beauty and hope, but wherever you're at, would you trust that God is with you? The very lungs, the air in your lungs is the reminder of this great story that we participate in. Would you get back in those groups, and would you answer the same question again? What do you need from God?
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.